Almighty and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Hello and welcome to the Anglo-Catholic Podcast for the third day of April 2006. I'm your reader, John J. O'Sullivan. Today is Monday in Passion Week. On this day, the Church commemorates the life of St. Richard of Chichester, Bishop and Confessor. Let's begin today's podcast with a reading of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. At that time, the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take Jesus, and so on, and that which followeth. A homily by St. Augustine the Bishop. How could they take him until such time as he willed it to be taken? But if they could not take him until he willed to be taken, then these words must mean that the officers were sent to watch his teaching. And what was his teaching? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while am I with you. That is, what ye now seek to do ye shall do after a little while, but it is contrary to my will that ye should do it now. And why is it contrary to my will? Because yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. First I must fulfill that which I am sent to do, and thus attain unto my passion. Then the Lord added, Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. In these words he foretold that he would rise from the dead, and that as long as he was with them, they would not acknowledge him, but that afterwards, when they saw that the multitude already believed in him, they would seek after him. For great were the signs which were wrought when the Lord rose again, and ascended up into heaven. Great also were the signs which were afterwards wrought through the disciples. Yea, he that wrought great signs by himself wrought the very same also by them, according as had he said, Without me ye can do nothing. When that lame man, who was laid daily at the temple gate, which was called Beautiful, stood up at the voice of Peter and walked on his feet, so that all the people were filled with wonder, then Peter bade them know that it was not by his own power that he had made them to walk, but by the power of him whom they had killed. It was in such wise that many were pricked in their heart and said, What shall we do? For they saw that they were burdened with the guilt of an exceeding great sin of impiety, and that they had killed him who it was their duty to worship and adore. For such guilt they knew no propri- propitiation. Excuse me. Yea, their sin was exceedingly great, and, their, and the consideration of it made them to despair. But they needed not to despair, seeing that the Lord, when he hung upon the cross, was pleased to pray for them, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. At that hour he saw amongst the many that were aliens some that were his own. For such as he asked forgiveness, albeit as yet he had received from them naught but insult, For he took no thought that he was dying by them, but only that he was dying for them. Here endeth the lesson. 
concerning the life of St. Richard of Chichester, a reading from the Anglican Breviary. This Richard was born of a small landed family near Dredwich. His parents died when, they, when their children were young and left them to the care of a guardian who, through neglect, ne yeah, neglect permitted their small patrimony to fall into ruin. Whereat Richard, the younger son, and a prudent virile youth, put his hand to the plow and, by much toil with the farm laborers as his fellows, brought back the land into production. But when he found that a marriage was being arranged for him, he resigned his share in the estate to his older brother and fled penniless to Oxford, that he might follow his natural bent for learning. There he came under the influence of the scholar Oh dear. Grassetest, who was lecturing in the Franciscan House of Studies, and also of St. Edmund Rich, who afterwards became Archbishop of Canterbury. From Roxford, Richard went to Paris for further studies, and on his return became Chancellor to Archbishop St. Edmund. Concerning this relationship, it is said, each lent on the other, saint upon saint, the master on the disciple, and the disciple on the master. When the Archbishop sick and broken because of his troubles with King Henry III, retired to a monastery in France, Richard stayed by his side until he died, whereupon Richard sent himself to study theology among the Dominicans near Orleans, and was there ordained priest. From thence he returned to England, and was finally elected Bishop of Chichester. But King Henry disbarred his entry into the sea, so that he was obliged to take shelter with a poor priest from whose lowly home he went forth among the simple fisherfolk and townsmen, and thus simply and in great poverty discharged his duty as shepherd of souls, until the threat of excommunication forced the king to give up the temporalities of the See of Chichester to the bishop's use. During the eight years of his episcopate, he became very dear to his people, but his love of holiness made him stern toward any ecclesiastics who were unfaithful to their ordination vows. In particular, he hated nepotism, adducing the Lord Christ as an example, who gave the keys of the kingdom not to his kinsman and beloved disciple John, but to the apostle Peter, who was bound to him by no ties of blood. Finally, the Pope ordered him to preach a crusade against the Saracens, in the course of which he fell sick and died at Dover, in a hospice for poor priests and pilgrims called the House of God, namely on April 3rd, 1253, being in his 55th year. He was canonized in 1262, and his shrine in Chichester Cathedral was one of the chief pilgrimage places of England until the destruction of such places in the mad fury of the 16th century. Here endeth the lesson. Let us pray. Let thy bountiful goodness, O Lord, we beseech thee, sanctify this our fasting, and effectually bestow upon us the remission of all our sins. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, worlds without end. Amen. Keep, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy faithful people, both outwardly in their bodies and inwardly in their souls, that they, cleaving steadfastly to all good works, may ever be defended by thy mighty power. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, worlds without end. Amen. O God, by the merits of blessed Richard, thy confessor, and bishop didst adorn thy church with wonderful miracles. 
Grant we beseech thee that by his intercession thy servants may be found worthy to attain to the glory of everlasting felicity. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, worlds without end. Amen. And with that, this ends today's edition of the Anglo-Catholic Podcast. As always, I am your reader, John J. O'Sullivan, praying that the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, blesses and keep us now and forever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen. The Anglo-Catholic Podcast is sponsored by the Church of St. Anthony of Padua in Hackensack, New Jersey. Whether you live, work, or are visiting the greater North Jersey, New York metro area, come and worship with us. On Sundays, a low Mass in Spanish is at 8 a.m. and a high Mass in English at 10 a.m. For directions, service times, or for more information, call Father Brian Laffler at 201-489-4728 or check out her website at www.stanthonyhackensack and Hackensack is spelled H-A-C-K-E-N-S-A-C-K Org. The Church of St. Anthony of Padua is affiliated with Ford and Faith North America and the American Anglican Council.